I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you this morning, and even though it's a pretty heavy subject, my hope is that by the end of our time together, you'll leave today feeling encouraged and feeling hopeful. Um, you know, as a psychiatrist, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a psychiatrist, an MD, so I have a medical practice over at Mockingbird Station. And I see people day in and day out who are struggling, who are suffering. And so uh, I'm always wanting to give them hope and encouragement, but it's uh, really, I think, at our core, our hope and our encouragement comes as a result of our relationship with the Lord. And as we talk this morning, my goal is to address this specific subject of dementia, but then also uh, transition into maybe what I would call spiritual dementia, our own forgetfulness when we face challenges and trials and troubles in life that lead us into this doubt, this forgetfulness that can plague our existence. And so we're going to talk about the physical aspects of dementia, and then we'll talk about four truths that we sometimes forget about God when facing trials in our lives. Now, I do have uh, notes and I have some slides. If you're interested in those, um, I can give you my contact information. The best way to stay in touch with me is actually through Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Dr. David Henderson, and it's just Dr. David Henderson. And I've got a few very cool projects coming up. One in particular, I'm working uh, with a bunch of local Dallas artists photographers, musicians, and we're creating a series of videos that are going to go through a 30-day span uh, and creating a mental cleanse. Uh, so you want to check that out. That's going to be all. We're going to post things, teasers to that on Instagram. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check that out. If you want copies of the slides and the notes, the best way to get those is to go to my email. Send me an email. It's dhenderson at fourstonesgroup.com. So um, today, don't worry about taking a ton of notes. Just uh, you know, absorb the information, and I'll send you anything you need through the email or through Instagram. Feel free to ask me any questions that, uh, that, that are triggered today as we talk. As we go over this subject, I thought of a quote by one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, that I think helpfully depicts what can happen uh, when we face a situation in our life that doesn't make sense. C.S. Lewis said this, Reality, in fact, is usually something you could not have guessed. That is one of the reasons I believe Christianity. It is a religion you could not have guessed. If it offered us just the kind of universe we had always expected, I should feel we were making it up. But in fact, it is not the sort of thing anyone would have made up. It has just that queer twist about it that real things have. So let us leave behind these boys' philosophies, these over-simple answers. The problem is not simple, and the answer is not going to be simpler either. I love that assessment of reality. You know, in, in Christianity, we love things black and white. 
We love the right answers and the wrong answers, the truth and the lies, and we create these scenarios, rightly so, uh, we, we produce dogma that we hold to that give us strength and hope, but there are a lot of things in life that we confront that really challenge the black and white thinking. And if your faith is shaken as a result of those challenges, then let me give you some encouragement today, and that is this. There is mystery to our existence Reality doesn't always make sense, and honestly, that can be more assurance to us that there is a God, that he is real, that he's personal, that he cares about us, than if everything lined up exactly the way it was supposed to. And there is no disease more disturbing to our humanity and to our identity as dementia. Dementia is actually not a disease, it is a condition, it is a loss of memory, which subsequently results in a loss of identity. And because of that loss of identity, it leads to a loss of assurance and security. And many of you know someone who you love and you care about who is suffering from the condition of dementia. Maybe you are caring for that person yourself, or maybe you're experiencing it and in the early stages of dementia. And the fear is is that as we lose our sense of safety, our sense of assurance, what in psychological terms we call self-actualization, the ability to look at ourselves and actualize who we are, to make it real, to make it consistent, to make it make sense. When we lose that, it can rock our entire world, our entire existence. On a very small scale, how many of you have come home, you've set your keys down, and you've gone to do something, and you come back looking for them, and you say to yourself, I know I placed them here. Where in the world are they? And what do we say? We say, I I must be losing my mind. Because why? We thought we knew reality. We had placed our keys in this location, It's in our minds, we remember it, and yet the evidence shows that we're wrong. And we get shaken, and we frantically, we search around the house. I am guilty of this. My wife, Rachel, will tell you this, is that I'm running around the house. I usually wait till I have about 10 minutes to get to work, and then I start looking for my keys. And she says, babe, you gotta start putting them in the same place every time. And I say, I did And they're not there, and I bet it's your fault. (laughs) And so I get frantic. I get frustrated. Now, multiply that by a thousand or a million, and when our identity starts to falter and suffer, there's fear that sets in. And dementia does that to us. So we have physical dementia And I think when, in general, we face trials in life, we can be guilty of suffering from a spiritual dementia. So let's focus on both for a few minutes here. Let's talk about physical dementia and what it is. It is a condition of the brain or the mind 
that leads to a loss of memory, uh, a loss of functioning and skills, and eventually leads to complete physical brain death and therefore bodily death. And the causes of dementia can be multifaceted. We're going to focus on uh, one of the major forms of dementia, which is Alzheimer's dementia. But there are many forms of dementia. There is vascular dementia, where someone can have a stroke, and because of the loss of blood flow or too much blood flow, it kills the nerves, the cells die, and what the function that those nerves performed can no longer be performed, and so you have a form of dementia. There is also a chemical dementia. If you use certain substances chronically and long-term, alcoholics, for example, develop a form of dementia because alcohol gets into your brain and shrinks the nerve cells so that you can't remember things. There's also a form of dementia called pseudo-dementia which is actually a manifestation of very severe depression. And a person with severe depression can show the exact same signs of someone with Alzheimer's dementia. Forgetfulness, apathy, lack of movement and drive and energy. And it's fortunate that we have ways of both preventing dementia and pushing it off and also treating dementia but it is a progressive disease, so no matter how good you are at your diet, no matter how much you avoid cigarettes or uh, drinking alcohol or taking dangerous substances, the truth is that if you live long enough, you will eventually start to experience the loss of your thought processes and your functioning because that's the way that our bodies are. And so I absolutely encourage folks to maintain good health, eat healthy, uh, exercise, be in healthy relationships where you're being stimulated mentally and emotionally because you maintain that strength just like you would a muscle in your arm or your legs. The more you use it, the stronger it remains. But eventually, this disease process sets in and starts robbing us of our ability to function. How does it happen? Well, in order to understand how it happens, you have to understand what the brain is and what the brain consists of. So I have a picture of a brain cell, which we call a neuron, and it is that greenish-gray uh, long stretch. It kind of looks like a tree that you can see depicted on the screen. That is the building block of our brain. It's called a neuron. It is a single cell and our brains are made up of millions and millions and millions of these small cells. And they have different parts to them. The, the part that has that dark area in the middle is called the cell body. And it has a nucleus that holds all the genetic coding that shows the nerve how to function and how to uh, respond. The little branches that are coming out of the cell body, those are called dendrites. And dendrites are the tree branches, essentially, that receive signals from other uh, nerves. And based on what we know about the brain, these neurons can actually have upwards of 7,000 connections with other nerves, all of which communicating signals. And so it's an extremely complex process of communication. 
On the other side of the cell body, you can see the axon. It is the long uh, fiber-like cylinder that travels down, and that's what sends signals across the length of the nerve to the very end where there's a transition that takes place. Electrical signal travels through the nerve, and then at the end it gives a chemical burst that travels across what we call the synaptic space, binds to the dendrites of the next nerve, generates another electrical signal, and on and on it goes. Now you can see that with the neuron, there are other cells that are supporting the neuron. What's fascinating about the brain cells compared to other cells in our body is that unlike bodily cells that maybe last you know, three months or so and then slough off and are constantly being recycled, Nerves cell, nerve cells are long-lasting. They can last the entire length of our life, somewhere up to 100 years. And so it's very important that the brain continually be repairing that nerve cell, removing waste, making transitions and changes. And the more that we study the way that the brain works, we can actually change the pathways of the brain through repetition and through treatments. And so things like talk therapy, when someone comes to my office and they're talking through their problems and we're coming up with solutions and answers to the problems that they're dealing with and then they're taking those answers out into their day-to-day life and they're practicing them and then they come back and we report on how they're doing, that process is not just a relational process, it's an actual physical process. The more you practice, the more that change can can uh, uh, happen. So there are these other cells that are supportive, and two of which I'll focus on today, the oligodendrocytes, which create a sheath around the nerve and allow for quick signaling to occur. It's kind of like the, um, the covering of a wire that gives it insulation and allows that uh, signal to be sent very rapidly, very quickly. Here's another depiction of the cell. There are also the astrocytes, which help to repair the nerve and remove waste from the brain. So in dementia, what happens is there's a process by which these nerve cells stop doing the functioning they were made for. In particular, with Alzheimer's dementia, there are two problems that exist. One are what we call neurofibrillary tangles. If you look at the axon of a neuron, and in the next slide it will show a depiction of what we call microtubules. These are sort of the scaffolding within the nerve that gives it structure and consistency and allows for that spread of information. As you age, microtubules start to break down. And the proteins that hold them together fall off and they aggregate together and they form what we call these neurofibrillary tangles within the nerve. And the microtubules get all twisted and gnarled and they basically atrophy and get smaller and the nerve stops being able to produce the signaling that it was designed for. There's another problem, and that is that outside of the neurons, there are also plaques that develop called amyloid plaques. And you can see between the neurons, there are these basically garbage heaps that build and build and build and get in the way of all of these support cells that are trying to do their jobs and helping the nerves to function. And so what are the risk factors? Well, the number one risk factor is aging. 
as you get older, this kind of stuff just happens. And it's interesting to look at the studies, and it, it, the truth is, is that the number of people that develop signs of dementia increase, it doubles every five years after the age of 65. So if you live long enough, this is the reality, is that in some way, shape, or form, you're going to start losing that functioning. But there's also a genetic component, and some people suffer from early Alzheimer's disease, and it's because of a genetic malfunction through a, uh, an allele that we call APOE. And that particular allele is a bad form of a gene that some people inherit from their family members, and it puts them at risk for developing Alzheimer's. Now, my encouragement to you today is not to give you all the answers about how to deal with Alzheimer's from a physical standpoint. If you're interested in that kind of information, shoot me an email, and I'd be happy to send you some articles on uh, what we know scientifically about how to treat Alzheimer's disease. What I want to do today is to encourage you and to uh, strengthen you through the pain that Alzheimer's brings to our lives, physically, relationally, emotionally. One more slide that I want to show you, and that is a picture of the brain as it deteriorates. You can see this is a cross-section of the brain, and on, the, on my right side, you can see a normal hemisphere of the brain, and all of those problems that I described to you before actually cause this shrinking process that eventually there's a wasting away. It's a terrible, terrible disease. And it is so terrible because it's really a slow and gradual death. And uh, my challenge to you today is, is not necessarily to consider dementia itself, but to consider any problem in your life that has shaken the core of your belief system, your identity, your relationships, pick that one thing that has traumatized you perhaps and consider it in light of these four truths that we so often forget in the midst of pain and struggle. That spiritual dementia sets in and robs us of the truth we once knew. There are four of them. The first is this. God is redemptive. You know, I'm a psychiatrist and I go every single day into work and I hear some of the most tragic stories you can possibly imagine. Anything that you can imagine that you watch on Netflix or in the movies or I've seen happen in real life. And it is heavy for me. If there are therapists in the room here today, you know that it's so important for you to get your own therapy and to be processing your own struggles because the, the weight of what we hear about day in and day out can be so discouraging and so disheartening and rock the foundation of our own lives that we need to be processing that with another trained counselor who can help us navigate those difficulties. 
But the one truth that has remained with me through the 14 years that I've been doing this, and the one word that I have held onto desperately like a life vest is the word redemption. And if you go back and you look at what the word redemption means, there is a definition of it that actually means to replace or to transform something that has been evil, something that has been extremely painful, ugly, disheartening, and take that entity, whatever it may be, and, and transform it into something beautiful, powerful, eternal, sustaining. And I could not do what I do as a physician and as a psychiatrist if I did not believe that anything has the potential to be redeemed and that the source of redemption comes from a power that is infinitely greater than myself. And I thank God that he, his very essence, is a God of redemption. He wants to take brokenness and make it whole. He wants, his desire is to take evil and make it good. Remember what Joseph said to his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That is redemption. And redemption excites me, and it allows me to get up and go to work and hear those stories of suffering and still maintain my excitement and my enthusiasm about life and about people because I believe, both through personal experience in my own life and the lives of the clients that I see day in and day out, that redemption is possible for all of us no matter what we've gone through. How is dementia redemptive? How is the experience of this loss, this tragic loss, redemptive? Well, in my mind, as memory fades, even though the bonds that tie us together with that individual are torn, the tears can actually lead to tighter bonds with time. What do I mean by that? Well, let's take another part of our body. If I go to the gym and I lift weights, I am actually tearing my muscles. Every time I lift that heavy weight, there's a little tear that takes place. But if I give it time and I give it rest and I give it the proper nutrients, those tears begin to heal themselves, but they, just, they don't just go back to what they were Prior to the tear, they actually go back to a stronger bond that gives me greater strength in the end. And the same is true with dementia. The same is true with the tearing and the rending of relationships is if you submit yourself to the experience of it, it can actually form stronger bonds. If you guys uh, have ever read C.S. Lewis's book, A Grief Observed, it is one of the most beautiful pieces of writing I have ever read. And part of it is because it's not a how-to book to deal with grief and loss. It is one man's journey through the pain of his wife dying from cancer. And in the end, after her passing, he loves her so much more deeply 
than he did even when she was alive. And the memory of her is so much more vivid. She inspires him in his own life even more. And as a result, I think C.S. Lewis's writings uh, were just so much more powerful as a result of that loss. And they ministered to me in an extremely dark time in my life years and years after C.S. Lewis died. And I will tell you, I have a bond with C.S. Lewis that is extremely strong. And someday when I get to heaven, I'm going to go up to him and I'm going to shake his hand and thank him for what he did in my life. But it was only because of that tear that happened as a result of the loss of his wife. And I don't know what relationships have been torn or perhaps are tearing in your life, but if you submit yourself to that process and you see it as a means of strengthening your own self, you will see redemption take place. The second truth is this. God is revelatory. What do we mean by that? Well, the more that our personality erodes, and we can do this willingly through dying to self day in and day out, or the physical processes of aging do it to us through things like dementia, but the more our personality erodes, the more that Christ under us begins to be revealed. It's almost as if you were to take a sander and start sanding the flesh of our lives and all that debris gets stirred up, but when you clear it away, you look beneath the surface and there is the identity of Christ staring us in the face. And with someone who has dementia, our faith and our hope rests in the fact that it's not their personality that is necessarily important. It is the personality of God revealing himself to us through that individual, even when it's difficult. Rachel's uh, mom right now is caring for Rachel's grandmother, who is in the latter stages of dementia. And one of the hardest things is, is that there are glimpses of her mom as she was when she got saved, but then there are also moments where the old nature comes out because she's not connected with her identity and herself anymore, so she can be very mean and nasty. And yet that tension and that struggle and that fighting that can occur has made Rachel's mom and Rachel herself much stronger individuals. And they have a story and a testimony that they can give and that they can share. And we have hope and we have confidence that Rachel's grandmother is a believer because we are holding on to the memories for her. And we know the transition that took place in that moment that she gave her life to Christ. And we can see the evidence through the memories that we are now holding and that she is releasing and letting go. And so trust the reality that even when our circumstances personally shift the whole understanding of ourselves and who we are, I am not the same person that I was 10 years ago. Thank God. But I will also tell you I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago, and I still have some major character flaws. And yet, even in those character flaws, God reveals himself in me, through me, and to me. 
and it has strengthened my understanding of who he is. And so he reveals himself to us through these things. The third is this, God is reciprocal. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you go back to your elementary school days when you were studying fractions, what is a reciprocal fraction? You might have three-fourths. The reciprocal of that is four-thirds. If you have one-fifth, the reciprocal of that is five over one, right? And so how does that relate to God? The weaker we become, the more God compensates in his strength for us. Paul said, I rejoice now in my weaknesses in 2 Corinthians. He said, I rejoice in my weaknesses because when I am weak, then he is strong. And with dementia in particular, as functioning diminishes... And as the strength of reciprocity deteriorates in that person that you know and love, the weakness that they are experiencing and that we are feeling and having to care for them helps God enter in and show his strength in our lives. You know, I know people hate that verse that says, God will never give you anything that, you know, you can't have the strength to overcome. I'm completely butchering the, uh, the verbiage there, but you get the essence. People hate that passage, but you want to know something? It is without a doubt true. It doesn't say you will not experience any pain. It doesn't say that you will not get to the point of wanting to tear your hair out maybe even perhaps getting to the point of just wanting to end it all, but he will sustain you. He will carry you through that pain. He is reciprocal. And you know, we can be the demonstration of that in our relationships. That is why it is so important for us to gather in a place like this and not just come here and sit and listen to a message and sing great songs, but to actually connect with people and engage in their lives because there's someone here in this audience today who is weak right now and they are struggling with their faith and they are challenged with overwhelming burdens. And if we have any ounce of strength in our lives, we can reciprocate for them and enter into their life and give them that strength to pull them along because guess what? You're going to be there someday. And so you be that strength. One day I was in the darkest period of my life and I sat across from a guy who said to me, if I believe, my friend said, if I believe that the Holy Spirit dwells within me and that I am telling you, Dave, that no matter what you have done, no matter what has happened in your life, I still love you, then I have to believe as someone who has the Holy Spirit in my heart and in my life that it's not just me that's saying it, it's God that's saying it to you. And I will never forget that. He ministered to me in an extremely dark time in my life so that I could be here today standing before you and hopefully giving you some encouragement. That's the way God works. He is reciprocal. And then finally, God is resolved. He is resolved. As the evidence of faith 
changes, whether it's through dementia or through it's your own personal struggle with sin or a relapse or whatever the case may be, as that evidence of faith changes and our assurance of salvation may falter, the object of our faith and the security of our salvation both remain constant. God is unchanging. 2 Timothy 2 says, when we are faithless, he is still faithful. Thank God for his resolve, for his consistency in our lives and his desire to remain with us in the midst of our struggle. You know, I've experienced that a little bit with clients that I've worked with, and I'll give you one example in closing. One of my clients came to me about five years ago. He was an older man in his late 50s at the time, and he was working a very high-powered job in the C-suites, as we say. He was a CFO or, uh, you know, just very high up in the company, and And yet he came to me because he struggled with intense anger and explosive rage. And he'd actually gotten in trouble at work as a result. And so we initially started working, but I quickly realized there was a lot more under the surface. And every time he kept coming to my office, things were getting worse and worse and worse. And it was a tremendous beatdown, both for him and for me, because here I am wanting to help him. And just, man, he could not get a break. And it started with him eventually uh, getting demoted in his job. And then it resulted in him getting fired. And then as he began the job search in his now 60s, he could not find a job. And every time he came back to see me, his finances were dwindling. He and his wife had to move from this beautiful, gorgeous house, first into a home and now into a tiny little apartment. His retirement and his savings were slowly dwindling away as he continued to try to find work. He had exhausted his uh, 401k and his finances were just sinking into, the, into nothingness. And then, to top it all off, he wakes up one morning and finds his wife dead in bed next to him. And you can't imagine the hurt and the pain over five years' time of sitting this with, with this guy. I am ashamed to say that sometimes when I saw his name on the schedule, I would cringe because it was just so discouraging. And yet we kept talking with one another and we kept trying to encourage one another and we kept focusing on the possibilities of what could come. And one day, just recently, he came to me and he sat in my office and he said something so profound, I will never in my life forget it. He said, Dr. Henderson, I I had asked him, how you doing today? He said, Dr. Henderson, I can honestly tell you today, I am no longer an angry man. And I, I... heard his statement, and and slowly, things hadn't changed circumstantially, but he started to embrace this new life that he had. He had gone on a mission trip to Haiti and seen the suffering there. He had joined a grief support group at his church and had been working through the pain of the loss of his wife. He had been trying to repair relationships with his children. He'd been teaching Sunday school, and the struggle wasn't done, but he had changed. And what he first presented to me with the problem of anger 
Five years later, he came in and he said, I'm not an angry man anymore. Thank God. And he gave glory to, the God, to God after all of that that he had suffered. And to me, that is an amazing testimony of the power of God. That you could lose all of that and come in to say, I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I'm not overwhelmed by these circumstances in my life. I actually have joy. It's unfathomable. You can't make this stuff up, as C.S. Lewis said. So here's my challenge. One prayer to pray, and we'll finish with this. If you're struggling right now today, all I ask you to do is pray this simple prayer. God, reveal yourself to me. And if you have any ounce of faith and you can pray that prayer, whether it's sincere or not, whether you have doubt or not, pray it and wait for God to reveal himself. He will. He will. Now here's what you have to do. The second prayer is this. God, give me the strength to see you when you reveal yourself for who you are. And he will. So whatever you're suffering, whatever you're dealing with today, be it dementia or some other form of spiritual forgetfulness, remember the God who you serve. And be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is a rock for us in the midst of very tiring, very difficult times. May we cling to it desperately and find with time that you redeem all things, that you are constant in our lives, and that one day when all things are restored, we will give you honor and glory and praise for what you have done. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.